Hey, Pastor Kevin Wallace here. Listen, we're excited about what God is going to do in this time together. I want you to pay attention to this message that the Lord has laid on my heart. I believe it's going to bring life and strength to you today. I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna pray with you. God bless you. Receive this word today. Thankful you're his friend today. I said it last week, I want to live as a son in my identity, but a servant in my heart. I'm a son of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. How many know that's good news? And he calls me friend, and yet I want to continue to serve him. And the two are not mutually exclusive. Because if I have the right spirit, I can understand what he made me when he called me and saved me through the blood of his son, Jesus. He made me part of the beloved. But I don't take advantage of that and become like a brat. I serve him because of how good he's been to me. Has he been good to anybody in this room? I want you to stand for the reading of the word today if you're not already standing. I want us to go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And there's a little passage of scripture over there today that I want to preach from. We're in a series called Kingdom Wins, and today's a big day. It's called Be Known Sunday. And I'm excited about all that that means, and not just what today holds, but what today will unlock. How many know God wants to unlock some things that happen in our life today, but unpacked over a lifetime? Amen. And and that's what I believe today is. Before we jump into this, help me welcome our Athens family. Come on, tell Athens good morning. I'm thankful everybody who's here and there is, is, is awake. You know, Spring Forward Sunday has a way of trying to make us grumpy, but I feel joy in the house today. Amen? Y'all don't look like you lost an hour of sleep. You look wonderful. And uh, maybe you slept with some cucumbers on your eyes or something, but you look so full of life. And it's just wonderful to see you in the house of the Lord today. I want us to go to Acts chapter 2. We're in a series called Kingdom Wins, but today I want to preach a message called Home Alone. Look at someone tell a neighbor, are you home alone? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Now all who believed were together. Say that with me. Now all who believed were together. Let's say that one more time. Now all who believed were together. And they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to the church daily, say daily, Daily. those who were being saved. And this is a beautiful, 
This is a beautiful uh, summary of what is going on in the early church, in the New Testament church. And I do not think it is written there just for a matter of history. I think we are to read it and understand that if it happened then, the Spirit of God that birthed the church then is still building the church in our generation. And I believe that there are some things unlocked in this text um, that, that help us to understand identity as the people of God and as the church of the living God. And I want us to talk about that today. And so I want to preach this message called Home Alone. Father, help me today in Jesus' name to preach and to teach the Word of God. I thank you today for illumination, the spirit of wisdom. Come on, lay your Bible down, lift your hands up. I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation come upon the body of Christ today. I pray that they'll not just see themselves as pew warmers, but that they will see themselves as activated members of the body of Christ. Let a shift happen in our mentality and in our thinking so that we become everything you called us to do. Rip the lid of religion off of our lives. Everything that we have allowed to limit our lives through religious belief systems, rip it off today and let us come into a revelation of the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. And the people said amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. The Bible is full of descriptions about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and descriptions of what the body of Christ looks like in the earth. And the Word of God is full of those things. It's, it's, it's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. It's like a husband being married to a wife. There's all kinds of um, descriptions used to help us understand what the organism, not the organization, but the organism of the church is like in the earth. The people of God are like an army. The people of God are like a bride. The people of God are in one place. They're called the household of faith. Um, there, there are all kinds of descriptions used to describe the body of Christ and the people of God. I was reading this week as I was preparing my heart and Devin and I were able to get away for a little bit and, and, and disconnect and, and just uh, spend time with family. And as I was reading, I was, I was sort of struck at how many times in the Bible, specifically in the book of Hebrews, that the people of God are referred to like a house or a home. I know it sounds crazy, but if you go read the book of Hebrews, it talks a lot about the house and about the edifice and about the building uh, as it were, in the natural, but in the spirit, there's something that happens among the people of God that, that we need to understand because I want you to hear me say two things. This building we're sitting in today is not the church, but the people sitting in the building are the church. And the people that are sitting in the building are a building actually themselves. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3 said that Jesus was a steward over his house. Listen, this is in the 5th and 6th verse. Jesus was a steward over his house, and the writer of Hebrews says, and we have become that house. We have become that house. And if you're wondering if he's the only writer that talked about it, he is not, because 1 Peter chapter 2 said, we are all living stones that are built together to become the house of God. 
Although we have gathered in a building, the building we have gathered in is not the church, but the people who have gathered in the building are a building made up of lively stones. And if you're ever wondering about our future, you don't have to worry because we're on a firm foundation. Jesus Christ, the righteous. You're sitting next to, if they are a believer, and they are washed in the blood, and they are trusting Christ as Lord. If you're sitting next to a person like that, you are sitting next to a living stone who, because of the Spirit of God, has been brought together with you and I, and together we are built as the house of God. And this house that God has brought us together individually to become corporately the house of God is a home, everybody say home, to many people. I can't tell you the times I've heard people say, when I walked through the door, I felt at home. My family finally found a home. My kids like coming here. My children like coming here. There's something about this atmosphere, Pastor, that it just feels like home. And for 20 years, Devin and I and the leadership of this church had prayed that this feel, feel like something more than an institution. We prayed that it feel like something more than a religious gathering. We prayed that people with like minds and like precious faith would come into this house and not feel a bunch of religious red tape, but would feel like there is a place for them at the table that Christ has spread in this place and that everybody feel at home when they come through the doors. In fact, we don't even want you to wait through you, till you get through the doors till you feel at home. We want you to pull up on the parking lot and feel like I'm at home. I heard Wilmari back there. <laughs> and as I was thinking about this house, because I think about all the people who come here to be restored. All the people who come here to recover. You know, there's that little story over in the book of St. Luke about a prodigal who was standing in a, 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 a pig pen, and the Bible said he came to himself, and he said to himself, I'm a son, and if I could just get out of this pig pen and get back home to my father... Then I will be a servant in his house. I don't even have to be a son anymore. I've blown it royally. I've wasted life. I've made too many mess-ups. I've screwed up too much. And if I could just get back home, I'll just be a servant in my father's house. And, and, and the, the good news is when he got down the road from the house, it, the father didn't wait on him to come up and apologize. The father saw the brokenness in the eyes of the son. And when he was yet afar off, the young man was standing in his own mess and the father took off running to get him and he walked him all the way home and there's some people in here today you've made a mess of life you have fallen down you have you didn't fall down you didn't trip you dug the hole and jumped in it but the good news is that when a person comes to themselves and a person comes under conviction and the Spirit of God begins to work and show them the error of their ways, many people have found this place, and I give God praise for it, a place to come back home to, to be restored, to be, to, to be able to recover, to see your family put back together. How many want that to be this kind of house, a house where people can come and can call it home? That's what it is for many people. It's a place to raise your family. It's a pl place to plug in. It's, it's the kind of home you want to, to build your marriage in. It's the kind of home you want to discover your gifts in. It's the kind of home you want to you sow your seeds in and invest your time in. And everybody needs that spiritual home to come to. 
But as I thought about this today and what this Sunday was about being on Sunday, I thought about that favorite movie that I have. And some reason it speaks to me more than any other Christmas movie, I suppose because the main character's name is Kevin. And I feel a witness when I watch the movie. He wakes up one morning after he has ticked everybody off. And you know the story. Little Kevin wakes up and they're going to some foreign country for Christmas and they get in the car and they do the head count. They count all the people and the neighbor is in the van and they think that the little neighbor boy is Kevin and they count him as Kevin. But the problem is Kevin got put upstairs in the attic and nobody remembered Kevin. So they all get in the car, they get on the plane. You remember the story, she's flying in first class. She's forgetting, she's knowing she forgot something. Her husband is trying to console her and she screams, Kevin, you remember this? And he's sitting at home and he comes downstairs and he's home alone. And I thought about how many people come home to redemption to the nations, but wake up one morning and they feel like they're at home, but they're all alone. How can you come home and feel all alone? Feel like nobody knows you? It's easy to get lost in a place like this. It can be. I'm just, I'm your pastor and I'm telling you, big churches are challenging sometimes. Come on here. Big churches are challenging. It's easy to hide in a house this big. And what I have found is that there are a lot of people hurt by church who come to big churches because they can get there late and leave early and no one ever knows they came. I came today to heal that. I came today to not only expose it, but to tell you the plan for God, the plan of God for your life is not for you to come late, leave early, and dodge the community of faith that the Lord is wanting to plant you in. You and I were not created to call this place home and feel alone. You were created to be known. I don't want to feed the ego in all of us because sometimes how many know the ego needs to die? I'm not here today to feed the ego and, you know, make you feel like you're some super, Jesus wants you to feel super special. I'm not trying to feed an ego. I'm simply trying to remind you of who you are in the kingdom of God. First of all, I want you to know you're known by God. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor that you are known by God. You are known by God, and you're not just known by God in some disconnected, um, in an inanimate way, like, like God knows about you, but he doesn't know you very well. How many know things or know people, but you don't know them very well? You act like you know them well, but if I ask them who you were, they don't know you. Let me know what I'm talking about. Like, you, you ever met those people? They're like, yeah, you know, I, I know Michael Jordan. And we're all like, yeah, he was my neighbor in middle school. If we ask Mike who you were, he don't know you. The reality of it is we want to know people and we want people to know us. The greatest fear most of humanity has is that they're unknown. I, I want you to understand God knows you not in some disconnected way. God knows you very, very intimately. 
This is crazy, but Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 says something that I hope you catch. It is fascinating to me how God would even know this except that in his finite, his infiniteness, he, he, he's the only one that could know this because I don't even know this about myself, yet Matthew 10 verse 30 says, the hairs of your head are numbered. For real? That doesn't mean that the hairs of your hair, he knows how many hairs are in your head. It means every hair has a number. So when hair number 1,389 fell in the bathroom floor this morning while you combed your hair, he knew about it. Some, some people are in here, you give God no problem at all knowing how many hairs are on your head because there is not much hair up there. Come on, somebody. But the reality of it is he knows you well. Here's what's crazy about God. God doesn't just know the good chapters of your life. God knows everything about your life and loves you anyway. God does not just impress with the gifts that everyone else who is impressed by your gifts are impressed by. God is the kind of person that knows the worst there is to know about you, and yet he believes the best that there is to see in your future. I want you to understand today that God knows you. We are sitting in a house worshiping a God who can never be informed. You will never inform him. You will never have to worry about him getting an update. He'll never wake up in the morning and discover anything. He knows everything from the, this is a God. It is absolutely mind-boggling what he knows. He knows everything. And he knows everything about you. And yet he says he loves you and I. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 139, listen to this. Korah writes this psalm, Lord, you have searched me and you known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up, you discern my thoughts afar off. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before, listen to this, even before a word comes to my tongue, you knew it all together. This is a God that intimately knows you. And I need to say this today for the people who've been bitten by a religion that tells you that we serve a God who is out to get you and beat you down. The God that I serve did not come to destroy you or judge you or throw you into hell right now. He came today because he loves you and he has a plan for your future. I don't care how much you've screwed it up and how many mistakes you've made. He knows that and still woke you up this morning and ordered your steps into this house because he's not finished with your life yet. He knows you. This is a good God. And we have to work hard in the kingdom of God to, to, to outlast and outsay the religious voices that are in the land that have come to paint our heavenly Abba in some fashion that makes people feel hopeless. Listen to me carefully. When, when Jeremiah was in captivity and it looked like all hope was gone, they had drug him out of his house, drug him out of his nation. The Bible tells us and, and history tells us that they drug the people through the streets of Jerusalem back to Babylon, sitting in Babylonian captivity, feeling like there was no future. Lamentations, the saddest book in all the Bible is filled with one of the greatest promises about our God. The Bible said that the prophet sitting in hopelessness said this, I recall to my mind, 
Therefore, I have hope. It is because of the mercy of the Lord that we are not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness. And why did I quote that? To let you know, if you're not dead, he's not done. God is going to finish what he started. And somebody needs to be encouraged today that if the Lord God is still on the throne, it doesn't matter how you've fallen, this is a house and a home to get back up again and to say, I did it, but that's not who I am. He knows me. He loves me and he's not through with my life yet. Give him praise all over this room. He knows you. And I want you to know that the kingdom of God goes beyond God knowing you. He wants you to be known not only in heaven, but he wants you to be known in earth. Don't miss this. The crown of God's creation in the book of Genesis was a man. God looked at the crown of creation, Adam, and said about Adam standing there in the garden, it is not good that he be alone. Now, we always preach that, and we use it at marriage conferences to talk about how a man needs a wife. And how many brothers who are married know you needed a wife? To function. Uh, to rem- I'm trying to give your brothers help. You, you, dog, how, who, that's, never mind. <laughs> he looks at Adam, the crown of his creation, and says it's not good that Adam be alone. Now, wait a minute. Did Adam not have God? Did Adam not have God? Was God not with Adam in the garden? If God was with Adam in the garden, was Adam really alone? Yes and no. He was not alone spiritually because God was with him. But God recognized something about Adam that although he could have companionship with God spiritually, He needed companionship with humanity in the natural. And this is what I want to expose and say. There are people in this room today that say things like this, and I know what you mean when you say it. I understand, but it's not theologically accurate. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. How many remember that song, right? I don't even know what the beat was like. It was horrible. but (laughs) You and Jesus can have your own thing going. But that's not the intent of the Father for your life. It is not good for you to be alone. Everything God birthed and and everything God released, he did it with at least two. I'm not telling you it's always among the masses and the multitudes, but I'm telling you the animals had to walk in the ark two by You can't survive, literally, if it's just one. When Jesus sent out the apostles to preach, he sent them out two by. If you're going to have a move of God and experience the special presence, the the localized presence of God's glory, he didn't say where one are gathered in my name. He said where or He's simply saying at least two and anybody else that wants to come is just icing on the cake. 
If one can put a thousand to flight, come on, victory, come on, victory. How are we going to get victory in our life? If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put. Do you see the jump there? And Devin talked about this. I must give her credit for this. This was powerful. It's called exponential. If one can put a thousand to flight, you would expect him to say two can put two thousand to flight. Y'all miss what I'm talking about here. If one can put a thousand to flight, a thousand what? A thousand enemies. If one can put a thousand to flight, you would expect him to say two could put two thousand to flight. But something happens exponentially when you and I come together in relationship and togetherness. One can put a thousand to flight. Two of you don't put two thousand to flight. Two of you in the spirit are bad enough to put ten thousand to flight. This is the power of being connected in the spirit. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about recovery. Two are better than one. Why? If one falls in the ditch, the other one said, what are you doing in the ditch? Let me give you a hand and pull you up. How miserable is it to be walking with the Lord and fall in the ditch and not know anybody that can pull you out of the ditch and help you recover? Two are better than one. Three are better than one. Ten are better than one. Why? Because I'm probably going to fall in a ditch. And before you judge me for falling in the ditch, you probably will too. Well, not me. I'm just... I never have a bad day. Will we touch you? We're so glad you're here, but the rest of us need people. And don't you just need God? Can't you just make it with God? Yes, I need God. And no, I can't make it without him. But he sends people into our life to be, to be a blessing to us in seasons we need it most. I want you to understand that what God births and the way his kingdom is established, it is established outside of isolation. God may test you in isolation. I didn't say tempt. I said test. Not test in the sense to see if you got it. Test in the sense to reveal to you what you have. Because really, the most of the time when God tested me, it was to get me to see what he already knew about me. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. He may test us in solitude and isolation, but the call of God always comes with witnesses. And the fruit of the calling always comes among witnesses. When Jesus was called the Son of God, everybody standing at the the river that day saw the dove, heard the voice, and knew that God was among them. And my point is this. There's, this is what I heard in prayer. There's an exploitation of isolation going on. I'm preaching this message today in response to a year of demonic assignments to isolate people. I'm going to walk around here. I feel like shifting something. You and I 
have come through not just a year of pandemic, but a year where principalities have attempted to shift the narrative in the kingdom. And we even got leaders that don't understand what this moment was all about. And if you are in this room and you're more interested in why I'm not wearing a mask or why somebody else hasn't got, you're missing the assignment. This is bigger than vaccines and masks and, and social distancing. This is an assignment of isolation. Oh, I'm mad. He made me mad when he said that. You get mad if you want to. The Bible said in the book of Acts that they were continually in the Lord's temple and they were praising God and worshiping him together. And now we got people rewriting the story and attempting to create a disconnected narrative of isolation where you can sit in your pajamas, drink your little latte, and have God all by yourself. I'm thankful for technology, but I still believe I need to be among the righteous and in the presence of the Lord. Because you, everybody preaching this stuff is relying a whole lot on technology that you may not have access to tomorrow. What are you going to do when they tell you you can't speak his name on Facebook Live? Y'all not going to help me, but I'm going to help myself today because I've got a revelation of what the enemy is up to in this moment. He is trying to keep you over there and you over there and you back there and you at your address and you at your address. And I'm, I want you to take care of yourself. Get the victory or get the vaccine, but don't change what God has established as his plan to bring people together and hear the word of the Lord. We need each other more now than we've ever needed each other before. Yeah. Somebody said, why does she do that? Because she feels something down in her belly. And when she does that, I feel it down in my belly too. I feel a wit called a witness of the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you that it didn't work. It didn't work. What the enemy tried in one year did not work. I feel a breakthrough coming in here today. Slap at least three people. Tell them it didn't work. It didn't work. We went through fear. We went through a fight. We went through a night season. But we're coming out and we're coming out in the promises of God. Woo! Slap your neighbor, tell him it did not work. It's the exploitation of isolation. Satan sets it up to divide and to isolate, and then he exploits your aloneness. Adam is not with Eve when the serpent lied to her. Judas is not with the 12 when he hung himself. Y'all don't want me to go down this road. My concern for people is that pride and pain cause them to relish and revel in their isolation. Don't miss it. Think about what I just said. 
Pride and pain. Pride is a liar. I don't need nobody else. I'm a, I'm a long ranger. No, you're not. Tonto is necessary. Pride will, act, pride will actually make you think you are impervious and indestructible. And in your pride, you will separate yourself from people. Satan will pull you away and isolate you. And the people that know the truth can't be heard in your ears because pride tells you you are right and everybody else is wrong. But not only will pride isolate you, pain will. Have you ever seen a wounded animal? A wounded animal runs from everything because it feels the pain of the wound and it doesn't want to be exploited. And if you ever try to come up on an animal that has been wounded, it's trying to run, but it don't have the strength. And in your kindness, you try to pick it up. I did this one time to a bird. I don't know what it is. I have a fear of birds. I picked the bird up and the bird started hitting me on the hand. I thought, fool, your wing is broke. I'm trying to take you to some food and water and you're attacking me. But that's how people in this house and in the kingdom are. They get hurt at one church. They get hurt in one ministry and then they run down the road to another one and they're wounded in their spirit. But their pride tells them you can't be healed. Their pride tells them don't let anybody get close. Their pride tells them you're too hurt and messed up to ever recover. And I want you to know the devil is a liar. Today I felt like God told me he wanted to heal some people who were hurting. I'm going to say it before, before I think about winding this up and ending this message, I'm going to let some people in here know this pandemic was not a suggestion or a reason for you to further isolate yourself. You were looking for an excuse not to go back to church. And the pandemic became a convenient reason for you to say, I'm never going back to church. And there are actually leaders who are feeding your narrative. But the Spirit of God woke me up this morning to intercept that lie of the devil and to tell you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's too much in you to put it on a shelf and tell me that it's over for you. You've got too much to offer the world and this generation. God doesn't make a mistake. The exploitation of isolation. Let me give you, I'm going to get out your way real quick because... I'm looking forward to some barbecue. <laughs> Look at someone tell them, be known. Be, no, 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 come on, tell them, be known. You, 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 you are known to God. You are known to God, but you and I are challenged to be known by each other. I'm gonna rewind that one. You are known to God. But I'm not omniscient. I don't know everything there is to know about you until I take the time and you take the time to do what we call life together. And I want to, on my way to these three quick points, I want to tell you this. There is an assault on our time. There's a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. It's a little thin book. I, I, I make, used to make all of our staff read it back in the day. And the tyranny of the urgent is simply this. 
if you don't prioritize how you invest your time, life will prioritize it for you. You will need to decide what you are going to make an investment in or life will decide it for you. And the tyranny of the urgent is you chasing every little fox, every little fire, every little problem, every little person complaining, every little thing that needs you. You chase it. And then the things that are most important to you have no time for which you invest. And I'm watching this happen to kingdom people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this, I have to fight this. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have to fight this. I know there are people who think, Devin and I wake up every morning to serenading angels. And like the, the angels bring us a Bible with the scripture of the day. And we speak in tongues all day long, and we hear prophetic songs and utterances and everything. It's just, oh. But we have to fight for our time. Most every morning I wake up, by the time I wake up at 7 a.m., I have texts waiting on me. Phone calls already been made. Requests already coming in. And if I don't fight for my time, I won't invest in the things that are priority to me. So my most important thing is to invest time with God. Because I recognize something, Christianity is not just about an automatic release, it is about sowing and reaping. If I want to reap a harvest of spiritual life, I'm going to invest time and sow time into my relationship with God. But beyond that, it's not just about my relationship with God, it really is about my relationship with brothers and sisters. And I want you to know today, being known by God is automatic, being known by each other takes time. It takes intentional effort. And if you want to prioritize, if you want to have the priority of harvest of life and righteousness and growth and development and becoming everything God called you to be, you've got to invest some time in that. And you say, Pastor, I don't have no more time. You do have time. It's just how you've decided to use it. Being known by God is automatic. He knows everything about you. Being known by your brothers and sisters in Christ takes time. Let me give you three things I want you to be known by. Number one, I want you to be known by the grace that God has placed on your life. Flip your Bible open to, to Romans chapter 12. Look at this, look at this, look at this. It's important that you get to the right place. If you get to the right place, there are certain things that happen in your life that cannot happen till you get to the right place. How many ever go to Lowe's or Home Depot or the Piggly Wiggly or Walmart? How many, ever, how many ever went to open a door but it opened for you? The only, the only thing you had to do was to step up and get on the mat. And when you got to the mat, the door was motion activated. Your arrival announced that you were given access into the building. All you had to do was get there and the door just opened. 
Do you know how many people complain about what's happening on the other side of the door that could be a part of what's happening on the other side of the door if they just made themselves available and walked up to the door and said, I'm here, Lord. I don't have it all together. I haven't arrived yet. I've been a mess. I've got some pain. I've got some church baggage. i got some religious baggage, but I'm here. Yeah, I just want to tell somebody, if you'll just get to the place, God's got you taken care of. I want you to know. So three A's. Let me write this down. Write this down real quick. Activation, accountability, and acceptance. Here's what I want you to be known by. Number one, I feel like God said to me, I want the people of God to be activated and be known by the grace that I have placed on each of their lives. Let me give everybody in this room a revelation. This might be the most important thing I've said all day. You ready for this? Wake up and receive this. You have been given a grace from God. I'm going to prove it. Go to uh, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach. Romans chapter 12, when you got to say word. For I say verse 3, and we always quote verse 1 and 2. Oh, I beseech thee ooh, by the mercies of God. Oh, but that ain't what I'm preaching. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of himself or herself than they ought to think, but to be sober in our thinking. Watch, this is in verse number three. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everybody say measure. The word for measure is metron. How many have been here long enough to remember the series we preached about four years ago called the metron? It turned our church upside down. It turned our church upside down because what, what, we, were, what we were doing is having great worship services. But great worship services don't change cities. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, no, they don't. Because there are more people in this city that ain't in this building today than are in this building. Oh, we need worship. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying at all. But how you change a city is not a bunch of Christians gathering together and, and clapping and shouting and jumping up and down together. It's to activate the body so that the body gets activated and then leaves here and goes and activates what grace God has put on their life. Watch. Every person in this building, everybody in this building saved, holler at me right now. Holler, holler, holler. Okay. If you're saved and you're born again, God gave you a measure. Do you know what that word uh, metron means? It, it's literally like uh, you cut off a part of the stick of butter and put it in the recipe. It's a measure of butter. You didn't put the whole thing in there, but you cut off what you needed and you put that measure in the recipe. You leave that measure out and the recipe ain't as good. Everyone in this building has been given a measure. If you don't get activated in your measure, not only do you suffer, people who were supposed to be a recipient of your measure suffer as well. We are infatuated with pulpit ministry. But do you recognize that the, that the bulk of the ministry of this house is not me preaching on Sunday. 
put this in perspective. If I have a really good Sunday and a long Sunday, we're here for an hour preaching. Some of y'all are like, that's a hostage situation. <laughs> you know what? You get under my feet, okay? Because you're not the boss of me. If y'all get real lucky, we're, we're here for 40 minutes, right? Watch this. Watch this. 40 minutes of the week, and that's all there is? No, you have missed New Testament spirit-filled church. New Testament spirit-filled paradigms is not you coming to get a word. It's you leaving to demonstrate the word you received. Slap your neighbor, tell them, activate, activate, activate. My grace is to empower you. My grace is to equip you. My grace is to encourage you. My grace is to tell you with a week like you've had, you need to be reminded that God started something that he will not stop until he finishes what he started. When you come in here on Sunday and the world and the week have tried to weigh you down, I came under the anointing of an apostolic leader to tell you that the devil is still a liar he's still under your feet and you are still the righteousness of God in Christ and God has given you a grace that'll make the devil run if you'll just walk in it I get all these reports throughout the week it blessing my soul Gary Keelan this past week well we had 19 devils cast out Eight people got saved. I get these texts all the time. People, we led somebody to the Lord in the restaurant. We led somebody to the Lord at the Piggly Wiggly. This is my favorite place. We led somebody to the Lord at the car. It don't matter. There's an activation going on in this house. It is not you and I coming to see the ministry. I am not the main attraction. These singers and worshipers are not the main attraction. We are here to give glory to the main attraction. Whoa, I felt that. I felt that. We are here to give glory to him as he is activated through this house. Stop somebody tell them activation. Why would I get activated? For that, you got to go Ephesians 1. In Ephesians, pardon me, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, look at this. Ephesians chapter 4. He gave some prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping. Equipping? Yeah, because there's some stuff you need that I'm anointed to give you. I don't need no church. Sister, yeah, yeah, you need a church. Brother Flip Flop, you need a church. You need to be exposed to the fivefold. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? Because Jesus called them so that his body is equipped. Well, I believe in pastors, but I don't believe in the other four, which is why we are weak. Because we have become so pastor infatuated that we don't want to hear the voice of an apostle, and we don't want to hear the voice of a prophet, and we don't want to hear the evangelist, and we don't want no teaching. We want somebody to pastor us because we're sheep and he's the shepherd. I want you to know you're sheep, I'm a shepherd. But beyond that, you're an army, and I'm just giving you marching orders that I got from him. At some point, we got to stand up and advance the kingdom of God. 
Somebody holler if I'm talking to you in this house right now. And this is quick. This is quick. I'll teach it every now and then. The apostolic is like the hand. The apostle is the thumb. The thumb touches all other gifts. The apostle oversees the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, and the teaching. If you don't have apostolic grace, people can get out of hand, teach heresy, and nobody's there to correct it. Y'all not helping nobody. But I'm going to tell you right now, we need apostolic grace in the church. This is the finger of the prophet. The prophet points people back to the heart of God. You got to be careful with this one because mm, it gets you in trouble. But the middle finger is the longest finger on the hand, and that's because the evangelist goes into the darkness first and pierces through the darkness first and preaches the good news of the kingdom. And the next finger is the pastor because the pastor is the ring finger because the pastor is married to the church, and he can't leave when he had bad Mondays, and he can't run out when he got a bad Tuesday. The pastor says, this is the bride of Christ, and I'm going to love the bride because it's my calling. And then there's the pinky, the teacher, which doesn't look important, but if you take it away, you are not able to swing a sword. And there are some people in the kingdom of God who have no teaching, and they are a mile wide but an inch deep. Oh, God, Jesus, why? I don't want no teaching. All I want to do is hoop and holler and go crazy and sweat. Leave that to me. Somebody needs to sit down every now and then and teach you to B-I-B-L-E. You need to know what holiness is, sanctification is, what salvation is, what the atonement is. I want some barbecue. No, you need this word. I'm going to get you some barbecue in a minute. But it's time for the house to get activated in the grace of Almighty God. You have been given a measure. Say, I have a measure. And what we have done is we made everything else that's not on the pulpit irrelevant, and it's, it's a sad thing. Some of the greatest graces in this house you'll never hear with a microphone in their hand. They're working in the children's department. They're working out in the parking lot. They're helping you get to your seat in the dark. I don't like the dark. Why is it so dark in here? Because we don't want to see your flesh. <laughs> activated. Somebody say activated. Come on. Somebody say activated. I want you to know you have a measure. Your smile. Romans, let me get back. No, no, no. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. This is going to be one of them hostage Sundays. Watch. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He goes through a list of gifts. He says, you have a measure. For we have many members, verse 4, Romans 12. We have many members, but, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the what? The grace. The grace that is given to us. Let us Use them. What good is a grace God gave you if you don't use it? He who teaches, let him teach. He who exhorts, let him exhort. He who gives. How many would like that gift? See, like three of y'all. I would like the gift of receiving. That ain't in the Bible. But the gift of Generosity is a gift in the Bible. What if 
God blessed you so ridiculously, your gift was making others' dreams happen for the glory of God. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy. Here's a beautiful gift. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. <laughs> How many ever seen somebody with the gift of mercy with madness? Yeah, I'll forgive you. I don't really want to, but what is that? To get the mercies like this, man, there's new life for you. There's new hope for you. Yeah, you fell down, but you know what? He's the God of new beginnings. That's the gift of mercy. Okay, so I want you to know that you need to be known by the grace. Find out what God has graced you for and with. And I want you to use it in this house to take this house to the next level of activation. And it probably won't have anything to do with the microphone. It might. But what if God wanted to give you a grace that changes a city and no one ever knew it was you? It'd be amazing what we could do if we didn't care who got the credit for it. Number two, and I'm, I'm really, I'm moving. Number two, you need to be known so that you don't drift. This is called accountability. Why would I want to be known by a local church? So you don't drift? Because you are susceptible to drifting. If you live in an echo chamber of your own mind and never have anyone speaking into you and your journey and, your, and the voices you're hearing in your mind, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> how, many were ever, how many have ever thought a stupid thought until somebody helped you understand it was stupid? <laughs> Other than your pastor. There have been some times like my mind was checked out and somebody had to hear me say something that I had actually been contemplating, and when they heard me say it, when it came out of my mouth, I thought, how dumb am I to have believed it that long? But that's how, that's how it is when you run alone. You believe the voice in your own mind. And while I'm thankful for the voice of God, sometimes I'm hearing other voices that accountability will help me recognize and discern as ungodly voices trying to lead me into something God doesn't have for me. Woe be unto the people who are not known and thus have no accountability. God wants you to run with people who love you but love you enough to help you understand when you are in error. God, God loves you enough to put people in your life who will call and check on you when you haven't been to church in six months. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how these people do it. Six months, no church? You come for Easter and Christmas? What? Well, you're just churchy. No, I'm not. I'm needy. I need God. I want to be known. I want to be with the people of God because the banana that falls off the bunch usually gets peeled. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. It was in my mind right. 
was in my mind. It was in my mind. I saw it. It was a prophetic picture. A banana fell off a tree. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. I don't care. Chad, cut that out of television, okay? You need. Everybody get it out of your system. Come on. Come on, get it out. There we go. You need, you need accountability. Remember Cain and Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? The implication is, of course you are. The pe- I'm gonna move, LeBron, come help me. I'm going to move to this third point. The people who I know who get in the most trouble spiritually are those who embrace isolation. I get real nervous when I check on somebody and they don't text me back. I get real nervous when I call people over and over and over again and they are intentionally not wanting to respond because accountability keeps me from drifting and it keeps you from drifting. This is what I have found out with this pandemic. And I don't like to keep beating it up, but I, I want to put my foot on the assignment that this enemy has tried to bring to this generation. The more you miss church, the less you miss it. Rewind. The more you miss church like not coming, the less you actually miss it. I want you to know this house is about healing and restoration and encountering the presence of God. I want you to know that you can't just do that alone. There's even a move, and even from some people in this house, to create church and you and two little families gathering in your house. That's wonderful. It's a great fellowship. But you need to be connected to the body of Christ. Not just people who you've talked into believing like you believe. I have, in, even in my life, I have people who have to oversee me that I'm accountable to. Well, pastor, aren't you overseeing some young pastors and overseeing churches? And yeah, 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 yeah. Devin and I, we do that for other people. I was just with an ama- amazing young man this past week seeing what God is doing in his life and just being a part of his journey. I I do that, but let me help you understand, you never get to a place in your journey where you don't need accountability. And the last thing is this, I want you to be known not only by the grace on your life, I want you to be known so that you don't drift. That's accountability. And then finally, I want you to be known, I want us to be known as a house of acceptance. Now, let me, let me say some things right here. First uh, chapter of Ephesians, verses 5 through 7, says that he made us, ex- he, Christ, made us accepted in the beloved. I want to fix something before I teach the, the balance of this thought. He made us accepted. And here's what I felt like the Spirit of God said to me. This house should be a place for people to come as they are, but not stay as they are. Is that too heavy? What we are producing in today's church 
and Pastor Richie touched on this, is a transformational-less Christianity. We accept everybody. We accept everybody. Come as you are. That is true. Come as you are. We accept you like you are. We expect God to transform you. Because if I just stand up and say, we accept everybody, then I open the door for principalities and powers to creep in and tell us, oh, this church, you can, you can just be anything you want to be and stay that way and still get all the benefits of born-again Christianity. When the truth of the matter is this, you come as you are. We take, hear me carefully, we take anybody as they are in this house at any time. I don't care what sin they struggle with, what they're doing. We love them and accept them, but we expect transformation to occur. And I will never reduce the righteous word of God to accommodate our lust and lasciviousness and to give us a permission and a license to sin. In the name, well, Brother Wallace, you, haven't you heard there's this, you know, it's this love and grace that transforms us. Love and grace isn't a license to keep on doing stupid stuff. And here's the beautiful thing about this house. You can belong while you become. We have never put a list of do's and don'ts at the back door and said, if you line up with this, you can be a part of our family. That's not how it works. But the expectation level is this, that Christ makes us accepted, not our emotional, social, relational desire to want you to come. I want you to come. We will accept you. No one will judge you for the fail, failure or the fall that happened in your life, but we will preach and teach and expect God to transform you so that you can truly experience acceptance in the beloved. Because there's a move on. The good news is this, you don't have to change in your own power. He provides the power. But there is a move on to preach a Christianity that permits you to remain as you were before you found him and he found you. Christianity leaves you different than the way you discovered Christ. When you discover Christ and he really changes your life, it's not that you're perfect, it's just that you're delivered. And I just want the house to know you can come as you are. If you're in this room and you're hiding in the shadows today and you're like, I don't know if I want to get involved in this church thing anymore. I, I want you to know that it's risky business and it's worth the risk. So this is being on Sunday. And I want... When we're coming back, really just starting to regather and launch, relaunch ministries. Some of you have never been involved in this kind of stuff before. And you're like, I love Sunday morning church. I'm, I'm asking everyone in this house to go a step beyond that convenience. I'm asking you to make a provision in your month to be known. To get to know somebody in this house. To walk out and activate the grace that is on your life.
to be accountable to brothers and sisters so that you don't drift and wake up one day and be like, where am I? What am I doing here? I'm asking you to be known so that we can build a, an atmosphere where people are accepted just as they are. You don't have to get cleaned up before you come here. We believe we catch the fish. The Spirit of God in His grace cleans the fish. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We want you to connect at a deeper level at Redemption to the Nations Church. And if I could just be honest with you, when this pandemic started, I felt like God spoke to me in prayer one day. He said, I want you to pandemic proof this house. In the future, if they ever shut us down again, I want a church to continue to grow. Part of that, in order that to happen, is we got to know you're here. A lot of people have come over the last couple of months. There's a lot of people who will be outside eating that weren't in church today because they got here late and didn't want to interrupt and forgot to set their It's okay. We're all family, right? I need everybody to do this so that we can not just be known by God, but be known by each other. We want to know you. I want to know you here. I, I want to have names with faces. I, I want to know your kids, our staff, our leadership. Just our people want to know. We don't want anybody to walk through and live in this amazing house and be a part of this spiritual home, but feel alone. Look at somebody and tell them you're not home alone. You're home, but you're not alone. You're home, but you're not alone. So here's what we're going to do. We have some information, some information about some of the families, but we're going to update that today and make sure it's all correct. We want to make sure you're getting information about the church. And we want to know unique things about your family. I, I want to know as much as I can, and our team wants to know as much as it can about things that are per like, I know Aaron Franklin is a major Tennessee Vols fan. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> He's a Florida Gator fan, I think. <laughs> I, I know Chris Horvath likes guitars. I know Justin likes dancing. I just want you to be known. Be known for a grace on your life. Be known for a grace that God has given you. Be known for the purposes of not drifting, be known for a place you can be accepted. So we're gonna ask everyone that will today to help us. We're, we're gonna have connect groups, football groups, people that like watching football, people like playing golf, people like riding motorcycles. I was told that Vicki and Jim are gonna have a motorcycle ministry. What is that? It's going to be amazing. I don't even have, I got a moped or something, right? I don't have a motorcycle. There's all kind of groups that are going to get started. There's all kind of house fires. Everybody say house fire. I don't know anybody. I'm home alone. Listen, get plugged into a house fire where you spend an hour a month with several families that join in a house and talk about what God's doing here, pray for one another, usually have some kind of amazing food. Get involved in a house fire. Don't just come to Sunday morning. I'm asking you to make an investment of your time into getting known, being known. Some of these people are going to go work. They're getting ready to serve you. Everybody's like, why are they leaving? They're going to feed us in a minute, okay? It's going to be amazing. So everybody get out your iPhone or your, your Android, whatever you got. I want to do it right now. I'm just going to do it like this. This is how I'm going to do it today. Everybody do this for me, okay? Now, 
it's going to shoot you something back in a minute to fill out. You can fill that out now. You can fill that out later. But I want you to text the word known to that number on the screen right there. Okay? You're going to fill out a short form about your family. When you fill that out, on your way out today, everybody that fills this out, their family, going to get a T-shirt. We're going to give you a T-shirt. How many like these T-shirts? Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Mine's like three shades, but that's okay. You're going to get a T-shirt. We're going to have lunch together. When you sign up, you're going to get a confirmation email. And this is all technical, administrative stuff. We never do this stuff on Sunday morning. But while I have a 1,000 people listening to me, I want to do it, and I want to do it intentionally because it's so important to us. If you'll just fill this out, you're going to get an email back. You're going to sign your family, uh, sign in for your family and give us the really limited amount of information we're asking for. We're going to have lunch for you in just a moment. This is not the end today. It's just the beginning. This is where we're going to start, okay? We want to know you. As we go forward into this crazy world we live, we never want to be in a place where the government can shut us down and keep us quiet. We, we may have to have house church. We're going to be able to do that. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't talk like that. I'm telling you right now, I don't put it past any of these jokers. The kingdom of God is too precious to me to allow the government of the United States to assault it. And you don't have to like that. That's not a political statement. I'm just telling you right now, the kingdom's got to move forward. And when they gathered in the book of Acts, it was under the threat of death, and they gathered anyway because the kingdom is precious. So today, we want to know your family. We're getting ready to come out in a minute. We're going to walk and fellowship. We're going to eat. We're going to get to know some of you even out there. I'm, I'm asking you to make a part of your month, a part of your life, an investment of being known in this house. And this is the first step. This is not the last step. It's the first step. You can sign up for a connect group. You can sign up for a house fire, an interest group, a house fire. How about this? You can sign up to serve. How many in here sing? Come on, sing. I can tell you right now, Pastor Tobin and Pastor Jojo would love to have people who are part of the Easter choir, who are part of the Christmas choir, who are part of the times of the year when we have choir on the stage. How many love those Sundays when we have all these voices happening? So much going on. How, how, how many love to serve in some way? How many cooks do we have? How many, how many people are anointed for children's ministry? Like that's a special anointing, right? Whatever you're called to do, we have a process that we walk people through to be a part. This house is getting ready to go to the next level in its grace because you're getting ready to be activated in your grace. We are all different but work together. And how many want to work together in a way that turns this city even in a greater way toward the heart of God? Say amen. Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you. And there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. If you want that opportunity, then right now, I want to pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin, and to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, He is only one prayer away. 
Would you turn your heart toward him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin and make me new. I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We want to make sure you have a Bible. We want to make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area. And if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.